Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of UJ Sports Live. My name is Roddy DeBolsey. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donovan, former head coach of the University of Georgia Bulldogs. We are going to talk Bulldog stuff. We're going to answer your questions. We're going to review the last game, look forward to the next game, and uh, pimp some of our sponsors. So that's kind of what we do. Big shout out to Athens Ford, Academia Brewing Company, Your Pie, Dead Soxy. I am not at Classic City Eats today. I had some technical issues, so... I'm a little depressed, gentlemen. A little depressed. You got halfway there and you forgot your laptop. Just say what happened, Roddy. I was that's a technical issue, Dane. <laughs> it's a very technical, technical issue. If you don't have your technology, you can't do the damn show. So yeah, uh, I am home. And also that laptop was not charged. I used it for the uh Kirby Smart presser yesterday and so a twofer, twofer technology fails. So you hear all these excuses, coach? Yeah, I'm okay with it, though. At least we got him on the show. We need somebody to uh, carry us through. You and I have a hard time without him, so let's – I'm going to be benched by the coach here. Hey, guys, I uh, want to talk back about this Missouri game. Uh, Georgia almost covered. They almost. I, I was blown away by how close uh, Vegas came to nailing the uh, spread on that game. Georgia wins handily over Missouri game. There was a little uh, nip and tuck there early on. Didn't quite – wasn't one of Georgia's – Best games, but uh, results-wise, it was fantastic. Yet the Georgia players after the game were – they were upset. Was, you'd almost think they had lost. They were like, this this is just sloppy. They, they were not satisfied with that game. And that's, that's not coach speak. That's not player speak. That is insider note that you could tell when you talk to people who were in the program, they weren't happy with some of the mistakes they made. And, Coach, I want to talk about this defense that was upset that they got scored on. They gave up a couple field goals. They didn't get a – no one scored a touchdown on them. But they still weren't happy with that. Uh, great defensive effort. I want to get your thoughts on Georgia's defense against Missouri this past week. Well, if you just wait just a minute, I got to go over here and look and see. I think Missouri's trying another field goal right now. Uh, <laughs> oh. uh, seriously, I mean – if I'm outmatched and playing against a number one team, to go for field goals is so ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, this is a young coach and he'll learn. But, hey, you got to go for it, man. You got fourth down. You got to go for it. You're not going to win kicking field goals against Georgia. And uh, I don't care what the percentages and the analytics are. So, so much for that. But defensively, uh, another uh, really good showing. Uh, going into the game, you know, there was a little bit of angst. Uh, not knowing who the quarterback was going to be. They had played Basilek all year, and they had two guys that uh, different types that, uh, that that they could use, the athletic kid and uh, the kid named Macon, and then the other kid who was more like Basilek. So our defense was a little bit discombobulated there early uh, trying to get a read on him, and he really did some good things. Uh, uh, our special teams let us down. On a punt return, they got the ball in good field position, and uh, the kid made a long run, and they got it down there and uh, got a field goal. That's the second time this year in the first quarter we've behind, been behind three to nothing. Uh, we were against Auburn, and we were against uh, this team. But overall, it uh, just goes to show you that, uh, and it's a good teaching point for our team, you got to play the quarterback draw against a mobile quarterback. You can't play man under uh efficiently enough unless you just really get an unbelievable rush. So that's something we, we learned a little bit. Our players did and our coaches, we're going to have to see a really good mobile quarterback this week in Hendon Hooker. So that was a negative, uh, the quarterback runs. But uh, we played the ball in the air. They weren't very effective passing team without their number one guy. 
And, uh, you know, we missed a few tackles for the first time this year. Our, our tackling hurt us a little bit when we had a chance to get off the field. But I think the standpoint of uh, kind of the, you know, like your underwear doesn't stink type feeling, you know, I mean, that our players feel like, you know, they got to understand that, that, uh, hey, we're we, we going to have some teams move the ball on us and we're just not going to be completely dominant. Hopefully we can, but it, we're getting down to the point now, maybe not against Charleston Southern and uh, we'll, we'll do that against them and Tech. But uh, this team this week, we'll, we'll, we'll go over that in a little bit. But it was a good, decisive defensive performance. And uh, then uh, what do you got to say about it, Dane? And then we'll talk about the offense. Yeah, I thought the defense uh, played pretty solid, especially when you look at some of the, the differences uh, in terms of Adam Anderson not being there. Trayvon Walker's asked to do more, but, man, like that guy it has got an NFL future ahead of him. Coach, we talked about it a little bit as it was happening live, but when I went back and watched the tape, the play where he is uh, as the edge rusher, so he didn't play edge a lot, but he did play edge some, where he takes a step toward the quarterback and then peels off for the uh, little quick pass and then makes the tackle on the flat. How many players his size can even do that? Yeah, I mean, he really does have just incredible uh, movement to go with his, you know, he's very quick on top of uh, being strong, but just the ability to, if you go back to two years ago when he chased down Bo Nix or whatever it might be, he just got that capability with his frame, and he does it day in and day out. Uh, you know, a very, very agile guy, and uh, he just doesn't want, anything but success. And then you got the guy on the other side who's got a complete mean on when he comes out on the field in Carter that just doesn't want a guy to get an inch or anybody to block him a lick. And then you got the human wrecking ball there at nose guard. I guarantee you one guy that's not sleeping much this week is Cooper Mays. Maybe his dad might be because he's got both his sons playing. But let me just tell you, Cooper Mays thinking about 99 lining up on him. I mean, that's going to be fun to watch from our perspective. But but anyhow, those three guys just disruptive. And then we had a little package where Watt was in there with them too. So uh, utilizing the fact that uh, Anderson uh, – I can't say enough about the fact that we played a game against a major college opponent without two of our top five players. I mean, Anderson and, and Salyer. Salyer's got to be the, the number one cog on the offense. And Anderson uh, – I mean, line and then Anderson – it's just so disruptive in all your packages. The fact that he can play star, play in, he can come inside and and, and spy, and to not have him uh, really hurts our defense. So uh, we'll see how that comes uh, moving forward. Coach, I did want to ask you about the, the offensive side because it's the the talk of the town on the dog vent right now. It's it's Stetson Bennett and it's JT Daniels, just like it has been for the past month. And one of the things I want to ask you about, there, there's, I guess, a, a narrative on the vent right now and maybe among Georgia fans uh, across the, the country that Stetson Bennett struggles with pre-snap breeds compared to JT Daniels, uh, that the offense is going to be so different with him that he can't run the full package or that he doesn't read defense as, as well. And I didn't play quarterback, and you did. I didn't call plays, and you did. So I just wanted to, like, wh what is your reaction to that kind of talk that's out there? Well, you know, certainly everybody's got their opinions and it's not my uh, deal to tell people that they're, they don't really understand it. But the one thing I will say, I've been playing quarterback since I was seven years old. So I'm almost 77. So I've been around quarterback and I coach quarterbacks and in every, every job I ever had involved coaching quarterbacks. 
And the last 20 years, I've been having a lot of contact with guys that evaluate quarterbacks. And, and so I feel like I got a pretty good bead on what it takes and everything about what's going on here. You know, we run a complicated offense. Uh, we run a pro offense. It's one that entails a lot of stuff with pre-snap reads, with uh, changing the plays, RPOs. And it takes, uh, you know, a very, very smart guy to be able to do that. I will say this. And whatever time it is, 1142 uh, on November the 9th, we have two not smart quarterbacks. We've got two brilliant quarterbacks. Both of these guys can, can assimilate what's going on at the line of scrimmage, know what all 22 players are doing. They know everybody's assignment. They can read defenses. They can pick them up. Uh, to say that Stetson Bennett doesn't check off is ludicrous. I mean, he can run the whole package that JT can. To say that JT can't do some things that, uh, in the offense as far as the plays that we run, another r ridiculous thing. We run the same plays with both of them, maybe not quite the same look and everything, but from an intelligence standpoint, either one of these guys could walk in in any any quarterback room in the country and be there for two days and know the whole thing. They're very intelligent. Uh, just, I mean, it's almost, I'm almost like a guy being uh, uh, Einstein, the way they know football. Both of these guys are just really football junkies, know what to do. So take that one and throw it in the garbage. Cause I'm, I can tell you that and uh, beat both these guys. Now, as far as, uh, as far as uh, pre, you know, once the ball is snapped, certainly uh, JT throws the ball a lot quicker. And the reason he does is he knows if he holds on to it with his lack of mobility in our offensive line, he's not going to be able to get the ball off. So starting with the, the game against uh, the uh, Clemson Tigers, he's been very quick on his reads because he has to be. Stetson Bennett looks like he doesn't read as much, but he holds on to the ball because he knows he can move around and he can do some things uh, that may be in the pocket that the other guy. So you get that symbol of, hey, boy, he really can read defenses. And he does. Look, both these guys can read anything they throw at you. And so I'm glad we got them both. But uh, I, I feel good about uh, the package that Coach Munkin has, and he uses the whole package. With either one, you know, uh, either one of them can run anything that the other guy can run, and they can do it very effectively. And I was really encouraged that JT got to play last week. I've been encouraged with the way uh, Stetson has played. But you give Kirby Smart, Todd Munkin, our whole offensive staff a lot of uh, moxie here for being able to change what they planned on going into the season feeling like their offensive line was going to develop and be a lot better than it has become. It still has some issues, but it is what it is. And with the other guy in their quarterback now, after this guy got hurt, he makes things, you know, uh, I heard uh, Greg McElroy talk about, uh, you know, preparing for this, about the five or six plays that he watched Stetson Bennett make. They kept Georgia in the game and every game they played early in the game, whether it be, a uh, bootleg when the guy's got him corralled, whether it's his own read, whatever it might be. All these things help you. So I don't want to get on the Stetson versus JT, who the quarterback should be or all that, but let's just let's just, just get this out of here about one guy reads quicker and the other guy doesn't check off and all that.
that's pure poppycock. That's ridiculous. So uh, the whole point is JT wasn't well. The other guy took the bull by the horns. Now he's having a hard time taking over because our offensive coaches know what we can do and what we can't do. That's the reality of it. Coach, do you see any of that change? I thought Jermaine Burton had a hell of a return. I mean, he was one yard and a half yard away from having three TDs on the day, which would have – I mean, he'd have been SEC player of the week, you know, offensive player of the week for returning. And if you get him back and then down the road you get uh, maybe a couple weeks, you get uh, – uh, George Pickens back, and that's the saying that they can work their way maybe, up. Maybe, Blay, maybe Blaylock too. Yeah, maybe Blaylock. Yeah. So, and Kyrus Jackson, look how healthy he looked this past week. That was, you know, when Kyrus is back, see, making big blocks. I can see our team evolving in to maybe a little bit more pass first type of situation, just to help our line a little bit. You know, we, we were having some issues, which I understand why Florida and and uh, Missouri would would line up and dare us to throw the ball because they, you know, they, they don't want us running the ball. That's what we were doing well. But uh, we missed some blocks. Everybody misses blocks. We missed some passes. Everybody missed pass. But we're just not a perfect dominant offensive team like uh, our defense is, and we just got to adjust to that. And I think we're doing that extremely well, particularly getting, like you say, Burton back. And we are very explosive the other day. I mean, you look at – the play to Smith. I mean, there's another guy coming back. He touched the ball like two. He's touched the ball like eleven times in his his career and has three touchdowns. And uh, you know, that's a pretty good percentage. So <laughs> I feel I feel really good about uh, letting the coaches decide what they need to do and and knowing what they need to do to help us win based on. You, you look at your – always look at what our team needs to, to win when you make the game plan and, and your personnel. So, hopefully these personnel will start, you know, helping uh, helping out. And it was good to see JT out there. He certainly brings a lot to the table too. And there's a ripple effect with those returning receivers. You didn't see Kyrus Jackson doing those jet sweeps in previous weeks. It was back this week because there's more guys on the roster to be able to help in other positions as well. Yeah, and the jet sweep helps you because if the defense makes one bad step and then Darnell Washington comes out there and smothers the corner, I mean, that just opens up a lot of air. You know, you don't have to knock everybody off the line and block them perfectly. Uh, you, you just get the, you get the edge there. And, you know, we're going to see that this week with the Tennessee Vols. They're going to spread you out. Both their receivers line up almost out of bounds. And uh, you you've got to – you know, your box is going to be so controlled. Uh, you're going to have to have at least four guys out of the box every play because of the of the perimeter stuff that they do. So uh, they're counting on you, you know, having at least a hat on a hat against you, and you, you got to tackle in space. So we'll see how that evolves. Speaking of evolution, I, I get nervous, Coach. You know I have a thing for tight ends. But now you see Burton coming back. You see Aaron Smith out there. You see Kyrus Jackson. And there was that one great play where they threw it to Brock Bowers. He stiff-armed a guy into next week. And I really liked what we were seeing there with the use of the tight ends. But do you, with the now that you have Jamari Sawyer out, I, I don't know that he'll play this week. Kirby Smart yesterday said he was hopeful they'd have uh, Jamari Sawyer back this week. I don't know that he'll be there. But now do you have to get back to – we have some pass protection issues. We need to bring those tight ends in a little bit to help out with pass pro. Uh, we've got these other wide receivers getting healthy. Do we see 
less use of utilization of the tight ends when they've been so helpful for you, but you get those yeah. big plays from your wide receivers. Yeah, I don't know uh, how they're going to really look at it. The play that Bowers made was uh, when Stetson Bennett, who can't read defenses, decided just to throw it out there when it, when the, when they were bringing the pressure. What a brilliant play it was. I mean, even though he can't read it, he threw it out there pretty well. And he caught the ball and ran. Uh, and so the fact that he was detached makes a lot of sense, too. You got yeah. The ability to move him out there. Now he's on a safety or a linebacker, and what a really good catch he made over the middle. That was kind of a risky throw that uh, that uh, we, you know, Stetson threw over the middle, but he made the catch and uh, he kept going with it. That was out- outstanding. So uh, uh, that's too- so I, I I looked at these grades around the country that uh, I saw where Washington and Bowers were the two highest graded tight ends in the country going into this game. So against the balls, both over 90%. So uh, we'll just have to see. I hope we use them underneath because that, that helps you a little bit. Our pass protection was really pretty good last week. I mean, we, we didn't get flushed out or didn't give up anything really poor. So uh, uh, maybe, maybe we'll be air monkeying, you know, coming out or maybe we'll, uh, air it out a little more, which I like the way everybody likes that. But we certainly got the receivers now. Uh, you know, uh, all these guys are, have developed. Uh, even though Mitchell dropped a couple, I mean, you're going to drop some. But perfect catch by Roseme over there. I mean, that was unbelievable. You know, guy and the guy covered like a blanket. So uh, no, hey, The best catch of the day, though, Coach, was Kenny McIntosh's. Oh, yeah. He, acrobatic thing. Kenny, uh, Kenny just gives you another edge there. And the fact that, you know, we think about uh, Zeus being a power back and staying inside and and uh, you've got the other guy, uh, Cook, you can run outside and catch the ball. This guy can do both. And, you know, you can't really gear in on him as a, a defensive coach. And, and of course, we see uh, Edwards come in there and show you the jets he's got. I mean, he's, he's a very – he reminds you of uh, that uh, Clyde Edwards. Hilar- I mean, the guy that can just – you know, just kind of glide in there and do some things. So uh, I'm excited about our offense, even though uh, we didn't run the ball as good as we needed to. And somebody brought up the fact, why do you have to put those big guys in on the goal line? Why don't you? I mean, good Lord, uh, that's it's hard to run the ball inside the 10-yard line. That's another thing that that uh, really helped us one week when uh, Bennett ran a quarterback draw and got it down from the 11 to the 3. Well, it's a lot easier to get it in there when you do that. And, you know, so I think that power set to me is uh, always like that uh, on the goal line. Our, we used to tell our guys it's kind of like Roddy going through the buffet line and knowing you got that key line pie there at the end of it. You always know you got that hammer and tong. Hey, boy, let's everybody get really excited because we're going to goal line offense. Nobody in America is going to stop us. I don't care if they line up everybody. This is what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, it, you just put that mindset into you. And uh, that, that's some big old guys there, Washington uh, at, at tight end and Davis in there and then the uh, big old uh, Jalen Carter. Carter leading the way. So uh, it's hard to stop that. 
one thing that we tried to illustrate in film don't lie is as well as George is playing, there are some guys that have been returning or that don't have as much experience, even nine games into a season that when Kirby smart says, there are things that, that have to be cleaned up. That's a lot of what he's talking about. So when you see an Arian Smith fall down on special teams and Missouri get a big punt return because of that, or when you see Broderick Jones, not being able to get up to a linebacker because he didn't recognize something maybe as quickly as he would have if he played more. There's a lot of inexperience that still plays even nine games through a season. Sure, and uh, I think the big key for our team right now is all of us. I think we did a poll back in June who would be the offensive line going into the, the, to November, and we all thought that Mims and uh, Jones and all these guys would step up. But, you know, things sometimes don't develop quite like you think, and uh, we feel uh, one thing and the coaches see another thing, and that, that's the way it all boils down to. So, uh, But overall, the thing that's very good about our team is we very seldom turn the ball over, and when we do, we turn it over on their end of the field. So we've got to continue to do that because our defense is hard to move the ball on. And sure, we're not a beautiful, poetic offense, but same time, uh, we got a lot of things that, that 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 really do well with, and I mean that was exciting seeing those explosive plays to me. I mean, uh, you know that, that was really good. I like to see those big plays. Uh, of course, I like the hammer and tong stuff too, but I just like anything to go with football. I mean, anything to have. <laughs> You're so easy. <laughs> hey, coach, I, I I thought about this because you know somebody asked. When they bring that uh, power package with Jordan Davis and uh, Jalen Carter, uh, you get those the big chillardos, as you call them, they come hammering through there and just open it up for everybody. But we also saw the wild dog formation with James Cook taking the direct snap and Stetson Bennett going out and running a fade. Uh, kind of threw him for a loop there. James goes in pretty much untouched. My, you're talking about going through the uh, buffet line and the key line pie at the end. That makes my mouth water. This James Cook has been my mouthwatering player week after week after week. Do you when he goes in that wild dog formation? Would you also do that with the uh, the the jumbo package as well, or is that just too much going on at once? Yeah, I think it'd be hard to get getting a wild dog and have uh, Jalen Carter be your back there and try to read him on the inside zone. But uh, uh, you don't want to get too too funky there. But I just had a five five. It'd be wild to see. Got different different kind of categories there. You know, you got your jumbo package, which that is, and you got your regular stuff. But the thing that James can do, uh, which you know, when we had uh, Miko back there against Alabama, and he ran the inside zone keep and scored very easily on the goal line. I think you got that same kind of issue with uh, James. He can run inside zone read and take it outside. He can throw the ball. Uh, he can do a lot of things back there, and he just gives the defense. Hey, he, can, he throws it? No, I, I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> he, I, I mean, let's watch and see. I mean, he's a football player. They can, can most of them know how to throw the damn ball. He, so he, can throw it. he can throw it. So I've been told there's a lot of guys that could end up throwing the ball. There's, hate, a, there's a lot of guys with good arms on the offense. You know, we, we, always, we, we, we typecast these guys and just assume they can't do anything, you know, and it's like, oh, well, he's a running back. He can't catch passes. Yeah, but I, I guarantee you one thing. I guarantee you one thing that I always like to do. You want to hold things and, and not show them, but at the same time, 
uh, you like to show a lot to make them work on. So if you're working on your goal line defense against us, you got to think, hey, we got to they got to work on the regular package where we have uh, you know three wides and a, and a back and a tight end. Uh, we got a two tight end package on the goal line, which is hard to balance up against. We got that jumbo package where you can certainly limited, but it's Powerball. And then you got the Wildcat. So you got 15 minutes to practice red zone and goal line every day. How much you can practice of each if you're the That's defense? The and uh, smart by monkey, make them work on everything. And uh, we're pretty good at it the way we practice because we're, we're very segmental, segmented and uh, get a lot of reps in. So uh, I think that's that's really good job by us of uh, having that versatility. I also um, think, to get, correct me if I'm wrong here, sorry, Dan, but actually running it once or twice in a game situation, I, I know you practice it over and over and over again, but doesn't it help to actually have run it once or twice in an actual game situation? Sure, sure. I mean, you want the, you want the ability and the confidence that, you can take it in there and make it work against another team. But uh, the one thing that's good about our team that I've talked about ad nauseum here is we go against the best defense in kingdom come every day. And if we can't work it against them, it might not be worth trying, but it might be because they got, they're so good. So, but if you know, if it works against them, you got a really good chance of it working against somebody else's defense. So uh, that's that's really part of the deal there is, you know, Kirby stresses our team every day. Uh, I don't go out there much, but they go out there and they go against each other. And that's part of the way that uh, the defense gets a good look because they're seeing offensive players on the level. And, and he mentioned in a press conference yesterday, which I thought was something that, was it was important was the lack of depth in our receiver position has hurt the scout team from the standpoint so many of the guys that might be down at the scout team running routes against our defense are actually second team third team for our offense and consequently uh, and of course we lost i think three receivers in the transfer portal uh, i saw mad landers playing for toledo the other night 80 some yard run on the pass and I started to thank God, is that Matt Landers? But he had on a different number, so it might not have been. So it was Matt. So uh, the point is, I'm happy for him. The point is, um, by going against our own team some and team pass and seven-on-seven, stuff like that, we're able to go against the good receivers that we got. And uh, I think we've made that adjustment a little more, a lot more going against each other than we do scout teams. I think the wild dog inspired us, Roddy, because you should have seen the group text with Coach and me and Brent Rollins on Saturday night. We were just finding trick plays that were being run around the country and throwing them in the thread. I mean, Purdue had like this double reverse screen. Uh, Coach, did you send the one or Brent where the, the ball was snapped through one player's legs? and then Yeah, straight- I saw that one where they, they snapped the ball through the quarterback's leg on short yardage and he faked a sneak and then the guy in the back threw the jump pass to the guy. I mean, those Dick, those Dick Tracy plays, I really like them when they work, but when they don't, they look really bad. But uh, that was a, that was a real, really good Dick Tracy. Oh, I love that. Uh, speaking of your uh, 
subterfuge, you know, that's that's great when you're doing it on football, but you don't want that when you're buying your uh, next vehicle. You don't want somebody saying, hey, this vehicle's great. You know, it's uh, you're going to love it. You want to go to somebody you trust, somebody who's not going to misrepresent things like where the ball's going, you know, where the handoff's going. You want someone who's just going to line up and tell it to you straight. And that's what we have with our friends over at Athens Ford. They are uh, – that's our term, uh, you like the um, – uh, cut of their jib or whatever, you know, that just straight arrow type guys. These are straight arrows. They're not going to screw you around. They're not going to take advantage of you. They're there to help you because they don't want to just sell you one car. They want to sell you two, three, four or five cars for the rest of your life. They want to sell them to your families and your friends. And they want to be part of your uh, neighborhood. They want to be part of your community. They do great stuff in the community. Right now, they are helping out anybody that goes out in November, December and buys a vehicle. They're going to help a child in this community have a better Christmas. That's what they, they do it every year. They sponsor Little League teams. They uh, sponsor fall festivals. They take care of people in the community. Uh, they're, they're here all the time. And they have some fantastic deals right now. We were talking about the 60% uh, or 60-month APR financing, 0% for qualified customers. You can't beat that. You can get it on. Uh, Ford F-150s, uh, Explorers, Expeditions, 60 months, 0% uh, financing, qualified buyers, Escapes, Edge. Well, Ford Edge has 1.9%, but everything else, Explorer, Mustang, 0% financing going forward for what, five years. So you can't beat that. And also, if you want something that delivers as promised, it is not a trick. Don't fall for some of these uh, uh fancy sock companies that say, oh yeah, we have great socks. Go with somebody that actually knows what the hell they're talking about. I'm gonna talk about our friends at Dead Soxy. You see, I still have their alumni pack here with the with the reds, red stripes, the red polka dots, the red and black and uh, silver. Uh, great stuff to wear to Tennessee this weekend, you know, when uh, Georgia takes on the uh, volunteers. They have the true state technology. So when you wear them into that stadium and you climb up those god awful steps in Neyland Stadium, because that place is straight up, you're not going to feel your socks sliding down. The true state technology holds them in place. And you'll have your red and black socks that are, you know, uh, from their alumni collection that show that you're a badass. You know, you got your lucky socks. Georgia's 9 0. It's no uh, surprise to me that we said these are your lucky socks and they started uh, sponsoring UGA Sports this year. And sure enough, dogs are not to know. They probably should have uh, come up with some for Florida. Florida could use these uh, lucky socks, but they have not had them yet. So anyway. And uh, Roger Murray on Facebook says dead socks are the best socks I've ever worn. They, they, they absolutely are. And again, we tried them out before we let them come on as a sponsor. And uh, I wear them. I wear my reds. Uh, my red no-shows on Saturdays, uh, just because I know they're lucky socks. So uh, they have the athletic ones, they have the boardrooms, they have the great styles, and they're buttery soft. You will not uh, you will not find a better sock out there, and you can get them for 25% off. It's get ready for the holidays. Get ready for the, the people in your life that may need them. Use UGA Sports. That's your code, UGA Sports. That's your discount code, promo code, whatever you want to call it, to get 25% off your order. And we just sent out a ton of them to people who had won our prediction contest. So we, we had people saying, hey, I got these in the mail. I love them. So we're already seeing that. Uh, I will take a, a YouTube question here, Roddy, as we sure. uh, get Coach back here in the video stream. Uh, just Tom Gross asking any word on Adam Anderson that you can share. That's probably more of a recap at this point. But if you want to update what we know. 
Uh, last we've heard on Adam Anderson was, you know, they're doing an investigation. There's a uh, uh, rape allegation uh, that was filed and an allegation is basically an accusation. And the uh, police and basically investigators, detectives and stuff like that are looking into it. And then from that, they will determine if they will file charges, you know. So there have not been charges filed. There's not there's not been an arrest made. But by policies, when there's an accusation like this, he is not. Uh, basically allowed to participate in team events like that. So we're uh, just going to have to wait and see uh, how this plays out with him. There's um, uh, there is no timeline. It could go on a long time while they do this investigation. They have other cases they have to investigate. They're not going to drop everything they're doing to check out this one guy. I mean, they have caseloads they have to work through. So um, and it, it could be cleared up three days from now. You just never know. Yeah. Uh, you basically the coaches are just gonna have to plan as if they don't have him. If they do get him, be excited for it. There was one erroneous report. I mean, this is bad. Just like I, I try to hold media to a pretty high standard because of how a lot of people view media, which I think that can be unfair at times too. But like if media screws up, you got to call it out. And uh, there was one really bad report saying that uh, Georgia knew about this ahead of the Florida game and still let him play. No, Georgia, Georgia did not know about it. Like, no. uh, like that. That is categorically undeniably false. Um, like Georgia found out about it after the game and in, into the weekend and early the following week. So um, after that, he didn't practice. He it still went around. I mean, he's still on the team, so he can be around the team while this goes on. But like, yeah, Georgia's not going to travel with a guy that's not going to play. Promise you that. Yeah, it's uh... – and you know the question is, can somebody just suggest this and uh, get him kicked off the team or whatever? Yeah, but who's going to do that? Because you can also be charged for filing a false report. So yeah. it's you know. And here's the thing: if it's uh, a situation where it happened, it needs to be addressed. If it didn't happen, then that too needs to be addressed. This is uh, this is a young man's life and a young woman's life, and uh, we're just got to sit back and let these things play out and not try to. Uh, piece together rumors and innuendo just uh, it, it it's a bad situation all around so we'll just have to move on let's get to some uh questions for coach and then a lot of these deal with tennessee coach so we can kind of weave in some yeah, of that tennessee preview uh into that as these questions come along this one from maitland florida dog ask coach how georgia can best counter the quarterback runs while still being aggressive on defense well, he's alluding to uh, Hendon Hooker, who has really taken over the quarterback reins at Tennessee and given them a, a very explosive offense. Uh, you know, they scored 48 points against uh, Kentucky Wildcats and only had the ball for like 14 minutes. Uh, a lot of uh, big, big plays. And uh, Kentucky just continued to play man coverage and couldn't cover the guys. But as far as what you have to do, you, you, you've got to have gap control for sure. And, and understand that you're going to need some people to help you in coverage. That's what they count on. Uh, so just a real quick scouting report. If you just take the hash marks in college football and then the numbers, which are outside the hash mark, and then the sideline, it used to be a rule that you would never go any closer than so far to the sideline because nobody's going to cover you because of, of the distance of the throw. So most people would split the distance between the numbers and the hash mark as far as their split, you know, like a few yards out there. But uh, Baylor came up with the idea under our brows that they would go on and take that guy and line him up one yard or two yards from the sideline, and the, the other guy would be 
So of the 53 and the third yards, the two guys would be as wide as you could be. They would be 50-some yards apart. And they started running RPOs where they didn't read the linebackers. They read the safety. So if the safety played any kind of run support, they had an automatic deep pass built into every RPO. So we've talked about reading the linebackers, throwing in behind the linebackers, and hitting a slant. They read the safety. If the safety's playing pass, they hand the ball off, and they feel like they got enough people to block the people in the box, and you don't have that extra guy to stop the run. Uh, plus, they got a myriad of screens behind the line and things like that. But getting back to the quarterback, we've got some packages where we play different coverages, but we also put a spy on the guy. Well, once you take a guy and put him up there behind the center uh, in a stacked position behind a linebacker, you give up edge one way or the other. So you got to be careful about trying to stop the quarterback and then they run the zone play and you don't have anybody there. So that's more for third down. Uh, We watched the game, uh, studied the game against Tennessee, against uh, the uh, University of Mississippi, and Mississippi ran a quarterback draw on them uh, to death, 200 yards uh, Corral had. Same thing with Hooker. He can do it too. We saw it Saturday. So bottom line, you got to put a spy on him or you got to stunt your two inside people on both sides and create an issue where he just can't have an easy running lane. So Dan Lanning, Kirby Smart, Muschamp, Schumann, they'll have some really good looks on them. And we're going to knock this guy around. They gave up five sacks to Kentucky. Hey, our guys are licking their chops going against some of those D, those old linemen. We'll get after them pretty pass rush too. So, I mean, even though they run fast and they score all these points, they're going against a different ball game here with this uh, Georgia Bulldog team coming in there. Staying with Georgia's defensive line, I've been good at the vent. Says, uh, can Georgia's front three handle Tennessee's offensive line with ease? I don't know if they'd be with ease because they present some challenges with the stuff they do with the other people. But, uh, you know, their their line is more let's get a tie. Let's don't get, you know, give up lost yardage plays. Uh, that's what they did against Bama, and they took them to the fourth quarter. I think we got more players up front than Bama, so I don't know if it'll be ease, but uh, it won't be angst either. I think we'll get after them pretty good, but here's the deal. We've been so used to shutting everybody down cold. Uh, If we shut these guys down cold, I will be ready to put us in some kind of pantheon because we'll be pretty – be even better than I think we are. And We made dramatic improvement in the secondary, still play a lot of zone. Uh, they're going to have a hard time going deep against our zone. But if they start throwing a little nickel down stuff, we got to do some stuff to take advantage of that. So we got speed back. That should help us a little bit if we go into some of these extra packages. I'm talking about a mere speed. Uh, so we'll see how that rolls. But they got to stop us too. I mean, you talk about some mismatches. We got some mismatches on them too. We'll get there, but I know a lot of people want to talk about the pace of play that Tennessee's offense plays with. Uh, Roy Dog Mercer says, how does a head coach prepare a team with the change of tempo and the high pace? Kirby Smart said in his presser on Monday that, quote, there's not really a way. What are your thoughts? Well, he has a tendency to say some things that 
make you feel like it, that hopefully the other team's listening to that. But I know Josh Heupel knows that Kirby Smart's going to come up with a way. And so we'll landing. What you got to do, first of all, is prepare your scout team because the scout team usually doesn't know the other team's plays. What they do is they get in a huddle there and the guy's got cards and they show what the play is and everybody goes to the line and they run that play. That's what it is. But when you got to run it fast, then it becomes a different situation there. So we're going to have to assimilate a quicker scout team. And what we've done in the past is usually use two of them where one of them already knows the play. So when the first team finishes that play, the other team's coming up to the line with another one. So that's a good way to, you know, it's two on one and makes our defense tired, but at least can simulate how they do it. And people say, well, how do they run play so fast? Well, they've got three or four runs and four or five passes that they just call one word. And as soon as the play's over, they line up with that play and they run it. And uh, so we've got to simulate that in practice, just like we would have to if our team was running a wishbone. You'd have to get your scout team showing what old Paul Johnson's teams used to do. You got to do this with the scout team here, and uh, we'll do that. And the other thing we'll do is probably make our own team, not make, but our offensive team will have to go out there, which knows how to go fast and do some of that fast stuff against our defense to help them. We're going on the same plane up there. We might as well help each other out. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of questions about Georgia's running game. Uh, North Buckhead Dog says, why does Georgia seem to be running so many inside zone plays and not mixing it up more in the run game? Uh, and when Georgia's on the goal line with our play action passes, the tight ends on particular downs, can that be a weapon as a play action in the red zone? Yeah, I think – Inside zone uh, out in the field, we, we try to hammer that just to keep the defense honest, and we thought we could could run it better than we did last week, but uh, we missed some blocks. We didn't make a lot of first downs early, and, you know, those things happen. As far as on the line, it's hard to, to run a, a, just a play where you're running pure read on the goal line. I mean, you take it, hey, if you get a big exchange, you got a fumble, uh, you're more unlikely just calling it a predetermined play. So certainly the play action's there, but you always look at down and distance, where you are, what's the score. The closer you are to the goal line, the less chance you're going to throw the ball. You got four downs to make it. So uh, we got a lot of different stuff we hadn't shown on play action on the goal line because we've been pretty effective down there. So um, I would say you'll see more of that jumbo set, more of that wild dog, and and more of just maybe play action down there because we're not going to knock anybody off the ball. I mean, nine weeks later, that's just not going to happen. Mick Jones, 1969. Nice. Uh, do you think that we'll see more sweeps and pitches to wide receivers if Tennessee compounds the box? That seemed to be an adjustment against Missouri's defense. For sure. I mean, why not? You get the ball to those Jets like Smith and uh, and we saw a really good run by by Kiera, so uh, why not? And also the quick pitch plays where we toss the ball to the backs and then we got the fake toss and throw the ball to the back who's uh, to the to the slot who's going out to block the guy and he fakes it and goes down the field. That's a good package there and uh, we're not stubborn. We we'll we'll run a lot more of those against this Tennessee ball. Let me just tell you this Tennessee ball defense is, is one of their strength is inside. They've got some big old guys, and they mix them, match them, and they sub. You know, Rodney Garner, 
uh, we all everybody knows here, Coach Deer, Coach at Auburn. He's always been a guy that runs a lot of guys in and out, and he does a good job of preparing the guys. So uh, their defense is a lot like Auburn's overall, but like the old Auburn team, a lot bigger than this Auburn team up front. They they they've got some big guys that are hard to move, and uh, but they also give up a lot of yardage with their uh, their linebackers and their secondary. So uh, I look for us to use some of that stuff that he mentioned. I'll sneak this one in here, and then I know Roddy wants to talk about your pie in just a second. Uh, C17Dog says, what do head coaches talk about during pregame warm-ups at midfield? <laughs> hey, that is the hardest thing to ever do. I mean, especially if you don't know the other guy. You know, you got general chit-chat. Uh, you know, it's just a formality that you're supposed to go through, but uh, neither, neither guy is really too worried about the, what he's – talking about and uh you know you just throw it out there but you know both of his stomachs and knots thinking about what's going to happen in the game so but if you know the guy and you have a previous relationship with him and then you can talk about you know the families or you know what some things like that which is a lot easier but just guys that uh it it really is kind of uh something that you don't look forward to really if you don't know the guy it's just a kind of pain in the butt really so uh but you gotta you gotta show respect to the other guy and welcome him and all that but uh usually the guy that's out there laughing and 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 doing stuff is the guy that knows he's getting ready to get his ass beat (laughs) (laughs) very true that nervous laughter i get it i get it i've been that that guy before for sure (laughs) i've I've had those uh those feelings, but uh, I know I've told the story before and I'll tell it again because it's funny. Uh, we're out there in Jacksonville and of course I've known Spurrier since he was a senior in college and I was a junior. We played him at NC State and our crawl, pass across a lot uh, and other issues and uh, so uh, basically we're out there talking and he said, hey Jimmy, what do you think about those blue pants we got on today? And I said, hey, I, I really hadn't thought about it. The first time we ever wore blue pants against, against Georgia. And basically, excuse my language, I said, Steve, I don't give a shit about your blue pants. I said, y'all wear whatever you want to. I said, I got to try to make some first downs. So, but that's pretty funny, I thought. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spurs having a he's – have, he's having a rough week, Coach. Jeez. Yeah, that Gator, Gator Nation there uh, – Man, that's uh, it's always tough when somebody loses a job. But I don't think I've ever seen anything like Nebraska where they fired – they got three games ago and they fired five coaches. Uh, I guess they're going to bring Tom Osborne and some of those guys in to help them out. But uh, it's obvious that they're going to give uh, the, the guy another year. But uh, it just looks – it just looks kind of ridiculous to me. Hey, finish the season and do what you can. I mean, Nebraska is what it is. And, they're going to play everybody tight, and then they're going to find a way to lose a game in the fourth quarter. I mean, you've seen that story and that script all year. Unreal. And that The vote of confidence gets to death. I'm waiting for that uh, vote of confidence that uh, Florida puts out saying, you know, we believe in Dan Mullen, and he's made some adjustments. And, uh, Dan Mullen's they're, going him, last. they're going to give him another year. And, oh, yeah. And I, will give, I will give kudos to our uh, 
our uh, Notre Dame here, uh, Roddy, uh, before anybody else knew, he, he put out that uh, Christian Robinson was going to be calling the defenses, even though people around here said they'd read something otherwise. But as usual, Roddy's right. I mean, I wouldn't say as usual. I was about to say, <laughs> give me that title. But, uh, you, you got some pretty good sources, man. You FBI guy. That's pretty I good. just assumed that Christian Robinson was at Pauly's when he got that phone call saying <laughs> you're going to call plays. I always imagine he's at Pauly's. So, well, I can, I can tell you this: of all the teams that, in nothing against uh, Samford, but he got a pretty good chance here this week. They're going to be going against the Samford Bulldogs, and uh, that, that'll be a good chance for for him to get that defense going. And then they got Missouri and uh, Florida State. So, uh, you know, I think the big thing when you assume the role like that is, hey, it is what it is. We can't do anything about it. Let's just come out and be sound. And don't reinvent the wheel, and and let's get get our pride back. I mean, that's what you got to be. I mean, they got their pants pulled down there by South Carolina. I mean, that was embarrassing. That South Carolina hadn't moved the ball on anybody. I mean, they they they. I mean, they had 11 yards going into the fourth quarter in their last game against Texas A&M, and they got over 300 yards on this Gator team uh, rushing the ball. I mean, it, it was embarrassing. I, I love it. I do. And as much as the Schneidenfreude is so fun for the uh, Gator fans, hey, Georgia, do not root for Dan Mullen to be fired. You want that guy to get in a contract extension. You want him there forever. Poor yeah. recruiting and getting his ass kicked by Georgia. Don't let yeah. him don't let him go away. Do not – first thing, my, here's my fear, Coach. Like, oh, hey, uh, Dan Mullen's been fired, and now Florida's contacting Dan Lanning. No. <laughs> Chuck Ward with the comment of the show. Maybe Florida can pull the upset this week against Sanford. That's a good one, Chuck. That's a good one. <laughs> hey, he's coming all the way from Texas from that one. That, that was, yeah. I, mean, I am happy, though, for Christian Robinson. And, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll do a good job. And uh, I noticed they put Coach P on the field, too, Coach Paul Pasqualoni, who uh, was the head coach at uh, for a long time at Syracuse and then coached a little while at Connecticut and then – Recently was a D coordinator at the uh, for the uh, Detroit Lions, but the the association is that Coach Mullen actually was a GA for Coach P at uh, Syracuse when he first started his career. So they've got a kind of a existing relationship. And uh, Coach P, very thorough guy. I mean, he works at it hard, and he, you know he's been an analyst down there for a year or so. So he's going to go on the field and help him out. Good, Mike. And for Georgia's strength of schedule and whatever, you want them to win the last three games and keep Dan around so you can beat him again next year. It's always fun. We need, we, need, we need Kentucky and Auburn to win out. I mean, wow, we need we need some of those. We need Oregon strength, to lose. Yeah, our strength of schedule uh, is not going to be quite as good. The, the one thing that, that helps us is the dominance of our wins. I mean, they got to look at that. I mean, Beat so many, you know, the closest game, what, 17 points or something like that. So they're going to look at that, even if you do stub your toe. Well, you won't stub your toe if you uh, decide that this week when you're watching the Georgia Tennessee game, if you want to do it from Academia Brewing Company, they have those giant TV screens out there. They have the uh, beer garden where you can eat outside if the weather's really nice. They have the lounge, which is always couches and uh, TVs where you can just sit and uh, have a few drinks or you can actually sit at the tables inside the restaurant and get their fantastic food. It is a uh, a great brew pub. 
the food is as good as the beer and the beer is lights out. The, the beer wins awards. There's always something new. You know, you get one of those little flights that's from a, that's a, like a barrel stay with uh, four holes cut into it. And they put in four little glasses and you get a good four different beers into them. Get a flight of beer out there. Get the, some the best food you've ever had at Academia Brewing Company. They do a great job. And I can tell you that Matt Casey, the uh, founder, CEO, the guy who came up with the whole thing, he is the biggest Bulldog fan you probably ever meet. The guy just eats, breathes, and lives Bulldogs. So when I say it's a great place to watch a game, I'm not kidding. He's got it all and everywhere, and he's running around. He's uh, thrilled to death. He's, he's going to love uh, watching this game. You know, he, Not to say he's against Tennessee, but he damn sure ain't for him. So uh, this is a guy that uh, if you're going to support somebody, support our friends at Academia Brewing Company. And you don't have to do it just on Saturday. You can go out uh, today. They have Trivia Tuesday, Thursday. They have live music. Uh, if you're out uh, Sunday, you can do the uh, beer and um, brisket brunch, you know. So there's always great stuff going on. Uh, actually, on November 13th from 12 to 3, they're having a uh, plant shop and swaps. You can go out there and get plants, you know, and sh uh, trade them and stuff like that. And of course, um, uh, it's always check out their Facebook page. It's the best way to keep up with everything going on at Academia is to go to Facebook and type in Academia Brewing Company. Check out their Facebook page. You'll find out all about their new beers. Their Instagram's um, great, too. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a great place to do it. And again, uh, if you're not in Athens and say you're in any of the other 70 cities that has a uh, Yurpai location, when the, if you're watching the game from home, you're not going up to Knoxville, grab a Yurpai. Try some of their new uh, pizzas. Try some of their the new 14-inch ones. They have uh, a big pizza if you want to get one for everybody. I do like this new style they have. Uh, it's a white truffle pizza. Takes you a minute to process that, but it's a white truffle pizza with the uh, tomatoes, the white truffles, uh, the mushrooms, the uh, onions, uh, the spinach. It's fantastic. Mm. Give it a shot. You will absolutely love it. So uh, reach out to our friends at Europi. Uh Today, if you want to do it before, not wait till Saturday. If you want to get something this week, order it today on the app and get your double points. The points add up really quickly. You get free pizzas, free uh, gelato. Uh, free brownies, free breadsticks, all sorts of free stuff like that. So check out any of the locations from your pie. They have the new uh, big 14-inch pizza, for, so that way you can – and, again, it's all customized. So hit them up and try, try them out, see what you think. Shout out to Drew and Natalie French and their sweet family. Yeah, good, good, good family. I mean, I told you about sitting up there and watching the tennis match with them, those young girls getting ready to be good players. And I just want to make uh, one comment about uh, – and don't want to go too heavy on this as far as sympathy or anything, but certainly want it. But one of my good friends up in Huntington uh, area there in Logan, West Virginia, uh, White Skaggs, 87 years old, passed away last night. Uh -huh. And I talked to his son. I mean, not White, Neil Skaggs. I talked to his son today, but uh, he was a great supporter of mine and, and did a good job of uh, helping me build that program at Marshall. Would no way would we ever gotten what we did without that guy's support, uh, just financially, uh, every way possible. But uh, just a quick story that that you know you you want to memorialize people, but very good story, real quick. Uh, when I first got the job, they had a defensive lineman up there at, at Logan, West Virginia, and so I went through the interview. Uh, I mean, I mean, went through the uh, the deal where you know had the press conference and then uh, got on the road. And the first person I ever met was that had anything to do with Marshall was uh, Neil Skaggs. And uh, he was going to take me over to the school and introduce me to the coach and everything. 
And he said to me, which I'll never forget, Coach, how much does a defensive tackle cost? <laughs> and uh, I, I just I said, well, I'm in the right place here. No, we didn't buy the guy, but uh, he certainly felt like he wanted to get out to West Virginia. He knew what they were doing. And we tried to get that boy a job and all. We weren't going to break any rules, but I, I can never will forget, rest in peace, Neil, but how much does a defensive tackle cost? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Coach, uh, I want to ask you that same question nowadays. Uh, inflation and, you know. Inflation. <laughs> inflation now. I mean, that's Texas A&M. They just bought one. Oh. <laughs> you mentioned um, Rodney Garner early in the show, and I was going to say, he's going to come into this Georgia game pissed off because a kid, a five-star defensive tackle within 10 minutes of Knoxville Stadium is just committed to Texas A&M. So he's going to come in mad as hell. So He will, but uh, don't. That's still a long time to sign date. And, and in Rodney Garner years, that's it's about a, it's about a decade. So got a long time to go before that one's uh, settled. So we had a lot of questions, and we have about five minutes left. So uh, we're just going to do a little rapid fire here for you, Let's Coach. Rapid fire. PA Dog asks, uh, with Tennessee's speed on offense, we know the benefits of it, but what are the weaknesses of that kind of scheme? Well, you know, the thing that happens when you go fast, if you don't make a first down or you don't score, then it really puts your defense in a lot of uh, angst because they're out there longer than they need to be. And the good thing about us, we finished the game at 3.30 last week, and most of our players didn't play in the fourth quarter, so they finished at 2.30. Hey, their team played a game where they gave up over 600 yards, had gave up had 90 plays on defense. They didn't get home till 3 o'clock. So, you know, that's an advantage for us. But I think their weakness is the fact that, uh, you, you know, they don't make a lot of first downs sometime and they get off the field. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that's hurt them early in the year, they couldn't get lined up efficiently and they made a lot of motion penalties and their receivers weren't set at the snap. And they got that stuff down now. They're a lot, they're a lot more effective. But uh, I think that that's their biggest key is they stop themselves a lot and I hope they do Saturday. James Brown, please ask, uh, when Brock Bowers was penalized for illegal man downfield and Kirby dropped his expletive that was heard over the referee's mic, uh, he's heard it's because Marcus Rosemey Jackson, quote, covered him up, and he's not sure what that means. So can you explain that penalty? Yeah, I mean, you can only have uh, so many people uh, in the backfield, uh, and, and the same thing's true on the line. So the receiver's got to be off the line for you to be the inside guy and go down the field. If the receiver's on the line, you're not an eligible receiver. So if you have a tight end and a flanker and the flanker lines up on the line, the tight end's ineligible. So either Bowers needed to be off the line with the receipt of one yard with the receiver on it, or he was on the line and the, and the receiver had to be one yard back. And Kirby wasn't too fired up about it. <laughs> it was fired up. <laughs> no, I'm being facetious. I mean, he, he, he knows how to do that. Red and black in the day says Georgia has seemed to suffer an inordinate amount of injuries at Neyland Stadium over the years. Is there anything unique don't about the turf? Talk about it. Let's don't talk about it. That field chaps my ass. I mean, they need to do something. They need, they need to bring Coach Dooley and his horticultural talents up there and help them get something there. I mean, that grass, I mean, I don't know what the sod or what, but 
I mean, uh, let's don't talk about it. We got to get through this game. But he's right. Hey, what? He's exactly right. Too many injuries will happen up there. Bulldog, uh, most of them. Oof. Say again, Roddy. So I've been there for some of those. I remember Robert Edwards running. Hey, hey, that's that's enough. Let's don't talk about it. How could you see the players over the grass? I don't. I don't understand. Bulldog Ben says, what team should Georgia be concerned about most looking ahead? Tennessee, that's the next team. But, you know, looking ahead, uh, we're going to see the the uh, tonight, you're going to see the uh, college football playoff. I think as far as the rankings, from my standpoint, Georgia's going to be one, Alabama's still going to stay two, Oregon's going to be three, and Ohio State's going to be four. Uh I don't know how you can help but put them like that at this point. Uh, you're still going to see the same issues with uh, Oklahoma, but they're getting ready to play Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State, and then somebody else in the championship game so they can make a move. If Oregon falters, uh, Michigan, Ohio State going to play, there's going to be a lot of things happen. Cincinnati, just the lack of play in the last three weeks. I mean, they played Tulane, Navy. And and gone and Tulsa and gone down the wire against each one of them, and that, it just doesn't look like. I, I don't see them moving up. Six will be good for them. Uh, we'll see how that works. Yes, sir. Ask why is Alabama's defense in 2011 known as the Saban defense, but in 2021 it's the Golding defense. Uh, they don't want to give any credit to Kirby Smart. I mean, you know, those people have been pissed off ever since he left. So, uh, but they certainly got. An outstanding player there, and that Will Will Anderson. He, I mean, uh, he, he's he's it Lewis or what's his name? Uh, the, the great number one guy that sack gets off. Number thirty one. He he's awesome. Player uh, of the week. Yeah, and uh, player of the week. You know, we got Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis. Uh, I noticed the top ten players in the league. They list Hendon, Hendon Hooker. Uh, at number seven, the quarterback for Tennessee. So that's pretty impressive. Bryce Young's up there. So we'll see how it happens. But one thing we always do with the Tennessee game and the people that have heard it before, the old coach, I mean, I got to tell the story about the two guys that were getting ready to get executed and they were in the, with the warden and the warden said, look, I'm going to give you one last wish before you get electrocuted. Whatever you want, you can have it, food, anything, whatever you want. And they looked at each other, and a Tennessee guy looked at the Georgia guy, and the Tennessee guy says, I want to hear Rocky talk one more time. And the guy from Georgia said, kill me first. <laughs> I haven't been by Tennessee. I, I, I don't want to hear that damn song any more than I have to. I know they got it blaring out over there all week, and that's what you got to do. But, uh, man, what a song. What a bad song. All right, we'll sneak in two more questions. Uh, one of them is uh, a request for mouthwatering players of the week to return. So, Strict Dog 7, we'll do that. But after we get this from Till Dog, Coach, uh, with the talk about the offensive line having some limitations on offense, what is it specifically? Is it the guard? Is it a center? Is it the inside line? Uh, and he says, if so, why don't we try out some of those big charlardos on the bench over there? It's a, it's a collection of uh, different things. It's not one person every time. Uh, you just uh, It's not a lot of as cohesive as you'd like for it to be. And there's some missed assignments once in a while. But we just don't have a real physical point of attack offensive line that's going to just drop you off the ball and drop you to your knees. So, 
uh, and protection is improving for sure. Uh, the gap scheme has helped us. We're just not as smooth as you want to be down after down, but that's, that's college football. I, you saw what happened to Alabama the other night. Their center goes down, and, and they were discombobulated the whole game against LSU. As far as uh, the younger guys, I think it's just a case of learning your assignments and, and the coach feeling like that you can execute when you get in there. For example, they put trust in the game uh, two weeks ago, and he made a bad mental error and was down the field and cost us dearly on a, on a play-action pass you know, because he was down the field. So, you know, when you get your opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. Uh, Broderick Jones fortunately had played some against Auburn, and then he had a kind of a battlefield promotion last week with Sire being out, and he comes in there and does a pretty good job. So I guess it's just going to be a case of uh, hopefully with uh, Charleston Southern and Tech and all, we'll continue to play these guys, but you got to go with the guys you know they're going to do what they're supposed to do first. So that, that helps a lot. All right, let's do it. Let's bring back our mouth-watering players of the week. And uh, Roddy, James Cook is yours, right? No, I'm, I'm actually pulled away from James Cook this week. I'm going back to Jermaine Burton. I think that uh, that that's going to be my guy. I just I saw what he was. I feel he's due. There's some karma when you get that close to the goal line twice. You know. He's, the, the football gods are not going to let you come that close and punish you that much. He's, it's not fair. I, I just think there's some karma due his way this week, and I hope he gets it. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Keeley Ringo. I think Tennessee playing so fast, Ringo is going to be needed for some open field tackles, and he's a physical guy. He, he's definitely improved a lot, and he's playing a lot of confidence. I'm going to go with that triumphant up front, the, the, the law firm of uh, Davis, Walker, and Carter. <laughs> and I think they're going to just uh, completely jack those guys up up front and be in that guy's face all night. He, he's going to make some yards and scramble and all, but uh, it's going to be a misery index for that Tennessee offensive line. Your misery index finger? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying a misery index. I mean, that's mm – -hmm. Hopefully they're they're miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I well that's, that's good stuff. Any other questions you want to hit there, Dane? We're good. Uh, we we were loaded with questions and we appreciate that. So uh, keep those coming. We'll answer them through this home stretch of the regular season. Well, and I'm with Coach. I don't like hearing that song. Uh, I've covered many many games inside Neyland Stadium, but this week I will be on the uh, in the recliner next to Coach Donnan with Dane behind us running the show as we do our uh, watch along show. So be sure to tune in about. 320-ish or so, we will have the watch-along here on these channels. So be sure to tune in. It was a hell of a show last week. We had a lot of fun. We're going to have even more fun this week. And uh, and also don't miss the Thursday Around the League show when we actually, I say we, these guys here, Brent and Dane and Coach Don, and talk about all the rest of the SEC. There's a lot going on in the SEC. You don't want to miss that show. It's one of my favorites that I listen to when I walk around. Uh, I always tune in and I learn a lot about everything else, else, everything else that's going on in the SEC. It's a fantastic show. And uh, I tell you to uh, hit that subscribe button and be sure to listen to it every week. I'm always astounded by Coach Donnan's connections across, you know, he's been doing this a while, but like the, the people that he's coached with or know someone that did and just the, like there'll be a, a a, a FCS team or FBS team. Oh yeah, I, I coached this player and his, uh, you know, son. I'm old, man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. Uh, but you know, you've been around. Uh, you, no, you're not yeah, old coach. You're just experienced. You just uh, you, you've been around a lot of the guys, and 
you know, it's kind of a coaching uh, tree from the standpoint everybody kind of, you know, you know, has people that you know and interact with. And it's a very uh, good tree from a standpoint of uh, people don't get out there and talk about each other a lot. I like that part too. So you feel for a guy like Todd Grantham. I mean, he is, you know, he's caught a lot of flack, but he's done a lot of good things too. And hey, for anybody to lose their job, but uh, that's part mm-hmm. of life. I will say this about Todd. He was always he has always been very good to me. He's always been very uh, helpful. Never never had any issues with him whatsoever. I tease him, you know, just like I do everybody. I make fun of myself the most, but I make fun of everybody else. And I'll tease Todd Grantham, but he's a good guy. And uh, I hate yeah, to see. Hey, you know, a quick story on Todd. You know, he was a defensive coordinator here, and Connor Norman is uh, uh, played safety for us back when he was here and uh, played nickel. And now he works in the tra- in the train and for Ron Corson physical therapy and all that. And so he said he was talking to Todd before the game down there in Jacksonville, and they were just kind of shooting the breeze. And Todd says, "You know what they're going to run today." <laughs> and and uh, he's, he's a funny dude. Connor looked at him, "Hey, coach, come on." So uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. He probably thought Connor, since he was loyal to him, was going to tell him. <laughs> But he didn't. That was pretty funny. That's yeah. hilarious. And uh, I tell folks, say, stay tuned to UJ Sports because this this coaching carousel this year is going to be wild. It is going to yeah. be nuts. We got one more minute here. I got. I was thinking about the coaches. I got to tell you this. You know how you talk before the game? Well, the head coach of the University of Minnesota was John Gudikins. He took over for Holtz, who left and went to Notre Dame. And a year before, we'd played – Minnesota up there, and it was a tight game. You know, I mean, we played them tight, and they played us. We hadn't really gotten to the wishbone yet because Troy Aikman was our quarterback. So we're playing them in the next year at uh, Oklahoma, and John was a freshman coach at Duke when I was a freshman coach at NC State. So we'd been together a long time. So he'd talk to Switzer for a second, and then I went over and started talking to him. He said, yeah, I said, we're really ready today. He said, we've worked hard on you and all that, and just kept on talking about it. And I said, hey, John, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is not the same team you played against last year. We're going to break that strong safety's ankles today, roadblocking him. I said, y'all won't even be able – that big old boy will not make a tackle. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you just watch. Well, we, we were 63 to nothing going into this third <laughs> quarter. And after the game, he said, hey, you had that one right. So that's what coaches talk about sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you went out there and told him what you were going to do and then did it. That's rude. I, I wasn't saying anything until he was telling me how good they were. Okay. And I, I had to just – and if I didn't know him, that's what I'm saying. You know right. the guy. So you say, hey, I said, hey, John, we're going to break that guy's ankles. <laughs> that's cold-blooded. I love it. Okay, so much for me bragging, but I just wanted to tell you about a story that happened. That's a true story. No, it's a good. I love it. I love stuff like yeah. that. That's that's what always will be, always will be thankful to John Gudikins for uh, my first college game, second college game that I was coaching as a freshman coach. We're playing Duke, and the score is uh, twenty-eight to twenty-seven, and they got to decide whether they go for uh, you know. Uh, go for t- two or whatever they're going to do. So they decided to kick for the tie. And I'll always be thankful that they decided that because the guy missed it. 
It was, it was a classic. Oh, that's fantastic. All right, well, with that, we can't uh, we can't do anything better than that. We're going to leave the show on a high note. And uh, be sure to tune in next Tuesday at noon, and we will have more UJ Sports Live with Coach Don. And see you then.